Welcome to the Kohler Mania podcast. Today, we're going to get right into the book of Revelation. This is uh, exciting because we are starting into a amazing chapter looking at Jesus. So we'll go ahead and get started. I'm Tanya. And I'm Michael. And we have been going with our small group, just talking through just the history and all of the different aspects of the end time terms. And so now we're really excited because we're going to get into this chapter is going to be awesome. So I'll go ahead and turn it on over to you so that we can learn about chapter one. Yes, this is a very important chapter. There's actually a lot in this chapter to discuss because it lays the foundation for the whole book. It is, to me, one of the most brilliant foundational aspects of any book that can be written with an economy of words, just hardly any words being used, but being able to say so much. And there's so much to talk about just in this one little chapter. And so let's dive right into it. I mean, the first thing to remember is that this is a letter and it starts off as a letter. And and remember in the Greco-Roman world, the letters would would usually have an opening salutation. There would be the the who who it was from, the writer's name. It would give the recipient's name, who it's to. Then have a greeting, and perhaps a prayer or a blessing or some kind of thanksgiving. And then the body of the letter, and then a final greeting or a farewell. And Revelation has a lot of aspect of a letter. What's a little unusual is it starts off with a prologue in order to, in very short fashion, very concise fashion set the tone and the foundation of the whole book of what it's all about. And I especially love the very first phrase right off the bat lets you know exactly what this whole book is about, the revelation of Jesus Christ. With those few words, you know exactly what this is about. The book is about, if somebody asks you, what is revelation about? It's about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Of course, with that preposition of, that throws in some layers on there, because if someone were to ask you, you know, what, what does that mean to you then? You know, what is, what is a revelation when you think of that? Just that phrase conjures up the question then, well, what, what does that mean? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Does that mean it's from him? Does that mean it's about him? Does it mean it's by him? That preposition of a preposition, it shows the relationship between two nouns in grammar. And that word of is a big, it's a small little word when it, two letters, but has such big meaning can mean so many different things. So what is, what does that mean here? What do you think that means when you hear that? And somebody says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. What does that mean to you? Is it about Jesus? Is it from Jesus? Is it by him? What, is, what does that mean? You know that I've been doing a study, Bible study, with a really dear friend of mine for almost 12 weeks here. And when I read this chapter, and I know um, we're going to be kind of talking through this verse for verse, but when when I read this, of course, it just, it my heart just melts because the revelation of Jesus Christ is pretty much talking about Jesus. I mean, we're going to know about Jesus. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Yeah. And the scholars even debate about this a little bit about, is it about him or from him? And I I like, I agree with the scholars that say if, if there's an obvious ambiguity, it could have 
two meanings, obviously, and it is hard to distinguish which one is the actual meaning, that it probably means both. I mean, yeah. the, the writers of the Bible were brilliant writers. You can just see the skill that they have in writing. And I don't think that would have gotten past John, who was obviously a very skillful writer, that there would be some ambiguity and a double meaning to the phrase, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what he probably intended it was that phrase to mean that it was both from Jesus about Mm -hmm. himself. This Mm -hmm. is Jesus himself revealing about him in regards to uh, the end times and mm-hmm. other things. This, and that, that to me is just astounding. And when we, th- when we think of just that, the, the profoundness of that opening phrase, that this is Jesus himself mm-hmm. revealing more about himself. Yeah. When we were talking with our small group about this, and I had mentioned this too, that it's almost like your heart, I said it before, that your heart just melts because it's like, thank you, Jesus that you're telling us about yourself, that you're writing about yourself because you're revealing more about who you are and what you will do. Like you're giving the believers a heads up about who you are and you're using John, which is absolutely amazing to me. Like that letter is to us right now. And it's just, it's a blessing. Yes. Yes. That that phrase is astounding, but and then it goes on to show a little bit, a few more layers on how this revelation was presented to John. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ by by from him about him, which God the Father gave him to show his servants, fellow believers, what must soon take place. We'll come back to that that phrase soon take place because he revisits that phrase here in a second, but. Right there, we have the revelation of Jesus. It's about him. He's the one giving it about him. But the God, the Father, gave it to Jesus to to show his believers. Remember, we have a Trinity Mm -hmm. here. We have three equal persons of the Trinity, God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are equal, but they have different functions. And part of that function is Jesus said that he submitted his will to the Father. And he even said the Father is greater than I in the sense that he had to do the Father's will. And only God the Father knew when the end times would be, said Jesus. He said, Jesus said, I don't even know when the end times would be. Now, that could also be in his humanity in that sense. But at the same time, there's an aspect of, of Jesus subverting his will to the Father and doing the Father's will. And the Father has the knowledge of when the end times are, and he is giving Jesus the authority to reveal more about himself, about the end times. Jesus told his disciples while he was here on earth a good amount about the end times, which John reflects and builds upon in the book of Revelation. And at this point, God the Father is giving Jesus the go-ahead to reveal more about himself and more about the end times to show to his believers. So it, it comes the revelation from Jesus about Jesus with through the permission of the Father about the things that will soon take place. But to add another layer to this, he then made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So somehow this revelation also comes through his angel. We don't know who this angel is in particular, does not name the angel. Only two angels are named in the Bible, uh, Gabriel and who else? 
Michael. 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 <laughs> Gabriel. Gabriel and Michael. And you also have the angel of the Lord who's not named, but a right. very distinct angel, a very powerful an- angel that represents God in, in many aspects. Could be one of those three angels. Could be Gabriel, who was known to be a major messenger of God, visited Daniel, Mary, and Zechariah for very important occasions. Could be the angel of the Lord. Possibly not be any of those three because the angel is not is not named. So that's in the area of conjecture that people can speculate on. You have any thoughts on which angel that might be? I do not. <laughs> I think we were stirring this up in our small group talking through that, but trying to figure out who that was because there's a lot going on here just in these this first verse. We've got Jesus, we've got God the Father, we've got to his servants, and then an angel. Yeah. So there's a lot happening here, right? Right. 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 It, it's having some layers that this message is coming through. Ultimately, right at the beginning, we know this is the revelation of Jesus. It, this is Jesus revealing this about himself. The Father gives him the permission to do this, and it's made known through his angel. We don't see too much of the the angel. I mean, it's, there's, we have to look to see the aspects of how much of the role this angel has in the message coming through the angel. But most of it is like in verse two, when it says, John testified to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Most of this is John relating to what he's seeing in a vision and what he is seeing Jesus do and other things that are happening, as well as relating to what he is hearing Jesus say. So he's testifying as a witness to what he saw in this vision. And somehow it is also coming through this angel. Remember an apocalyptic prophecy that was a major aspect of prof- of apocalyptic prophecy is is angels playing a big role in these prophecies and, and a lot of the messages coming through the angels so this is very typical of an apocalyptic prophecy that God often uses to reveal himself I just love those layers, but ultimately it's the revelation of Jesus revealing himself. Jesus himself is revealing more about himself that God gave him. And it also comes through his angel to John, who is just testifying of everything that he is seeing and hearing coming from Jesus himself. What a powerful introduction Mm -hmm. to this very powerful letter, really, but reads like a, like a book, a very powerful book. Super awesome. It goes right into one of my favorite passages right here as we are studying Revelation, where it says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. It's like, we're studying Revelation, and it's John, God, through John, is giving a blessing to all those who read this and hear it and take it to heart. Blessed means, you know, prosperous and happy. When you pray a blessing on somebody, you're, you're praying that they would be prosperous and have a happy life and that God would bless them. We should all bless our children at, at night and whenever we get the chance to just, just bless them as, as parents and fathers and mothers over blessing our children. And, and here is, is a very powerful blessing for those who, who read Revelation and who hear it. Remember, especially back at the time, where they would have, these were written on scrolls and John is writing back home to the seven churches. And if they get this letter from John, they'll say, Hey, we got a letter from John. We got a letter from John there. These were house churches and they knew John, they knew him intimately. And so they would read this letter 
to the whole congregation all the way through. And this is giving a blessing on the person who read it, is giving a blessing to the people in the congregation who are who hear it. And of course, not just hearing it and reading it, but taking it to heart, not, by, not just being hearers of the word, but being doers also. We are supposed to do something with what we read and hear from the book of Revelation because the time is near. Now, this must be important because this is the second time in just a, a few verses, one through three, that he is he has said, because the time is near. In verse one, he said, God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place because the time is near. This is important. The time is near. From whose perspective? Though the time is near, is it from God's perspective? Is it from our perspective who are reading it now? Is it from John's perspective within his lifetime who's who's writing down what he is seeing and hearing coming from Jesus himself? Whose perspective as far as being near? What do you think? I'm still overwhelmed by being blessed. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> I'm like, I received okay, that blessing. I yes. know I'm over here. Like, even though we've read it and I know I'll go back to the perspective that you were talking about, but I just have to go back and say, it's powerful that we're blessed. We have the opportunity as believers to be able to have this book in our hand and to be able to read this book and be blessed by the words that are being spoken by Jesus Christ through John. Wow, Lord, you're giving us a blessing. And the fact that our listeners are listening to us right now, they're blessed as well. So you are blessed because you're listening to this podcast right now. And I could not say nothing. <laughs> I had to. Well, and I, I just want to piggyback on that as well as sometimes we we kind of gloss over words that we just hear all the time. I mean, you know, we even say, God bless you when you sneeze or as, just as a closing remark to say goodbye, God bless. But, you know, blessings were important in the Bible. I mean, you would bless your firstborn child and that would just lay a powerful blessing on them to be happy and to be prosperous yeah. in life. They were important things to do in the Bible. And it's important as us as parents to be able to do with our children. And they were to have a powerful effect. Our words are to have, a, have an effect. Our prayers are to have an effect when we pray to God. And so when we pray a blessing unto somebody, that is to have an effect. And so this is, this is God powerful. through John giving a blessing. I mean, that is, that is a powerful, true thing that he is giving to us of prosperity and happiness that he is laying on those who read and hear and take this to heart and change their life and guide their lives in some respect in regards to what they're hearing in, in Revelation. I definitely just overwhelmed by that. So I, I had to go back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Um, we don't want to gloss over. And that's what's great about exegeting scripture is because sometimes when you read through things quickly, these things can get past us, especially if we've heard some of these things all the time. But if we take a moment and kind of ponder phrase by phrase and section by section of the Bible, you start to pick up more in the Bible and more in depth and really get the, the true meaning and sense of what is what is going on. You, when you said prosperity and things like that, you know, I just kind of wanted to say one quick thing because some people may say, oh, no, the prosperity gospel. No. When I'm thinking about that it's like your life is so blessed that God makes that way in your life. And immediately I thought of 
King Asa. And I was talking to a really, really close sister of mine about this when Asa's eyes were set on the Lord for everything. The word says, and he had peace and he prospered, meaning he was able to win wars. He was able to, he had like a better way. Um, It wasn't as difficult for him. And so I believe that God's words are so clear that if we are in his will, it may be difficult, but it prospers us to move into the direction he has us. And so I just, I just love all that is just the blessing. Right. And you know, this is, this is a blessing um, specifically to take it to heart because he's making the very important message that he wants us to take to heart that the time is near. We need to listen to what is said in this book because the time is near. These are events that will soon take place. So to revisit that question, from whose perspective, though, from God's, ours, or, or from John's, when Revelation says that this will soon take place, the time is near. Is it going to happen in our lifetime? Does it mean it's going to happen in John's? Lifetime? Is this from God's perspective? What does it mean that the time is near? My biggest response to that is always, as I've been studying Revelation, our human time is not God's time. And so it's really hard to pinpoint these specific words soon. Talking to a friend, I'll, I'll be there soon. Is that next week? Is that tomorrow? Is that next month? And then you've got near, the time is near. It seems kind of weird for me to say, but it seems like it's it's faster than soon. <laughs> it's <laughs> almost kind of confusing. But when we're thinking about time, as we're looking at this book, I've come to realize that our time is so insignificant compared to God's time. And I think about Peter and Isaiah, where he talked about our life is like grass. It withers. It withers so quickly. And so our life could be gone soon, and we have to be ready at all times. And in this situation, it could be soon for Jesus and near for John, because maybe John's life is is nearing to the end. It's very interesting. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that this is very subjective. It's not giving an exact time frame that this will happen next Monday, you know, at 3 o'clock p.m. It's very subjective to say that it will happen soon or that the time... The time is near. Time is time is relative. You know, we know how how time can can seem to fly by really fast for one person and go by really slow for the other person when you're dealing with even the same time frame. Somebody could be really bored and something seems to be taking forever while the other person is having a lot of fun and the time is just really flying by. So time is very subjective. And I love what second Peter has to say about this very thing in chapter three. Starting in verse three, he said, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the coming he promised? Ever since our fathers died, fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present 
heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Remember, Jesus first comes with wrath and and destruction on the unrighteous and most of the earth is destroyed. Peter here is is addressing this very fact where people are saying, is is Jesus delaying when when everything about the end times was saying this would soon take place and saying, no, he's not slow in keeping his promise. He is just patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. If there is anyone, probably just one person who can be saved, if Jesus just waits to come again, then he's going to wait. He wants all to be saved. And that's the reason for it. In our perspective, it may seem like he is delaying. So, you know, I would say from the perspective when he says the time is near, this is from God's perspective. It wouldn't be from John's because I think John, it didn't happen during his lifetime. It's been 2000 years since he since he wrote this. Is it from ours? Every generation that has read Revelation has felt, well, the time must be soon. It's going to be near. So it must be during my lifetime. And they were all these other generations were were wrong. If a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day, God exists outside of time. What is a thousand years to to God who has always been here and will always be here? He's, he's eternal. What is time? But then what is the point then of saying that this these events must soon take place because the time is near if it's from the perspective of God where time has no meaning? To me, I'm thinking it's it's more of a mindset that God is wanting us as believers to have in some way. And this, to me, conjures up the discussion of what kind of mindset should that be? We talked about those that had an apocalyptic worldview that it's like, all right, we're going to live as, as though God, we know Jesus is coming next week, very soon, definitely within our lifetime, definitely within a month or so. And so what's the purpose of focusing too much on careers? We need to stockpile like a survivalist, stockpile some food and and things for, for the coming tribulations and prepare ourselves that way. No reason to save for college for our kids because Jesus is coming next week or the week after. Are we to have that apocalyptic kind of worldview like the Essenes had during the Dead Sea Scrolls or or that the Thessalonians had that, you know, Paul addressed with them about their their apocalyptic worldview and they had stopped, a lot of them had stopped working and to prepare for for the end times. What, what do you think? I mean, what, what kind of, what kind of posture? I mean, obviously we're to take this to heart. We are to, to have some kind of end time worldview in a sense, but to what extreme though, there are those that just ignore the end times. And there are those that are stockpiling stuff in, in caves to prepare for the end times mm-hmm. or somewhere in between where, what should our mindset be? What I'm thinking I don't want to be in like the woods stockpiling my food because, you know, (laughs) how am I going to be 
out there trying to spread the gospel or even in God's will. The other extreme view is living like the end is coming like today. And so I might as well not do anything. As believers, we should be living with a fervency and heart. And this is where I get passionate about it. But I believe that we should be fervent in heart seeking the Lord, living out his will in our lives and just going out there and spreading the gospel, speaking to people, teaching, mentoring. We have to be out there. We have to be ones that are different from the world. And like, I keep thinking over and over what Jesus said, I'm not of the world. And so we should not be part of the world, but we are in the world but we need to be living like Jesus is going to come tomorrow, but not to the extreme of like, okay, I'm not going to work anymore, but I need to be ready because he could come tonight. He can come tomorrow. My life is like grass and it withers. And so I'm thinking that, you know, that fervency of just pushing forward to be that fervent believer in Jesus Christ That is where I see things. And you and I have talked about this before. If we live with a fervent heart, like Paul, like Peter, like John, and all of these apostles who had such a fervent heart and made changes in the world, what a difference we would make as Christians, as believers of Jesus Christ walking on the earth, especially with like all the things that are going on with the world today. We would have stances that are so strong that we wouldn't allow things that are ungodly because the believers would say, nope, that's not going to happen here. We're not going to allow this. Our children will not be subjected to this, or we would not allow these type of lifestyles to happen. I think we've become complacent and comfortable in America And sometimes we kind of lose that fervency. But if we kind of live like that, we would be ready. And I I think that's the perfect answer. I mean, I think that's exactly Are you just saying that? (laughs) 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 No, because I mean, I I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I I think, um, you know, that's that's the point. I I think this prologue to the book of Revelation is getting at that to live um, as as the, with the mindset that this will soon take place because the time is near to have that fervency and passion for the lost um, and for spreading the word and discipling uh, believers um, and but but not in the sense of of being you know a survivalist and stockpiling things and and not working and and not saving for college because Jesus. Jesus might not come during our lifetime and, right. and there's a good chance not based on the fact that it's already gone 2000 years. We have to live as though he might and very well could, could come at as a thief in the night and in an instant. And we need to live that way with that, with the eye of being fervent and passionate uh, yes. for the, for the lost and for following God's will in, in, in everything. Um, now I must say that, that some, at least for the, for the phrase in verse one, where it talks about to show his servant was what must soon take place in the, the word there in the Greek can have the sense of, of what must suddenly and quickly take place. So you could make the argument, at least in verse one, that that doesn't mean it'll, it will take place in the near future, but 
when it does take place, it will just happen very quickly and very suddenly because that word could have that sense. And there's a couple of translations that use the word quickly. The Holman Christian Bible says quickly, and the Berean Bible says must quick will quickly take place. But that doesn't discount in verse 3 where it says that because the time is near. You know, so that's the, that's the different phrase. Um, so, you know, both of those together certainly give the indication that this will quickly happen when it happens, and it is is happening pretty soon. And we are to govern ourselves accordingly with that mindset. And so, I, I just love that open prologue with just three verses. Just how much we is is given to us about what this whole letter is about—a a revelation from Jesus, about Jesus, from God, through his angel to the servant John about, about the things that must take will soon take place. And John is testifying to what he is seeing and hearing from Jesus and gives us a, a blessing. It's the first of seven Beatitudes, blessings mm. in Revelation. Seven is a, a major number in the Bible, a lot of symbolism with seven, and there's a lot of use of numbers as symbolism in the book of Revelation. And there are, are, are seven blessings in Revelation. And there's there's the first one that blessed will be those who read and hear this and take it to heart because the time is near. We are to live our lives as with that desperation because the, the time is near, that desperation for the lost. Yes, I totally agree that we need to have a heart for the lost. And with that, this brings us to our end of this podcast as we continue down this amazing road of revelation and we just continue to be prayerful for all of our listeners who are listening now and are being blessed. It's just such an amazing word. Until next time. God bless you all and all of us who are reading, hearing, and taking revelation to heart.